Hey there, thoughtful listener. This is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. I'm so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free. No credit card needed. Head to upmyinfluence.com slash free. We're also actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast, the one you're listening to. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now let's get on with the show. With us right now, Mike Sowers. Mike, you are the CEO of Commercial Investors Group. You're found on the web at commercialinvestorsgroup.com, and you are the author of the book, Commercial Real Estate Investing. Those are some pretty, <laughs> both both your, uh, your, your name of your website and the book are kind of like, sound like the de facto where you go. <laughs> it's like you've, you've cornered the market on commercial real estate investing. So, uh, hey, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, yeah, it's it's an honor to uh, to be on the show and uh, try fitting the email on a business card. You got to get really small font. <laughs> All right, so you are based outside of the Twin Cities and in, in uh, Minnesota, and um, so take me uh, describe for me what you do now. Uh, again, your your agents or you're the, the the group. Yeah, in a nutshell, we have three core business uh, models within our company. The first one is our investing division. And basically we buy underperforming commercial properties and then we fix them up, we fill them with great tenants and then we manage them for long-term residual cash flow. And the second division in our company is that we franchise our model in other markets outside of Minneapolis to help other people do the same so that they can go from not having any real estate business whatsoever to truly setting up a successful real estate investing firm within their market. Um, And then the third piece is we have a fund and our fund allows business owners who are successful in their own businesses partner with us and split the profit with us on deals, plus get a very, very healthy return um, on top of the splitting of the profit, kind of like a debt instrument. And that's through our CIG value add fund. And um, that piece is the equity partner that funds uh, some of our franchisees deals and some of our deals here locally. Why commercial? What What are the advantages of commercial over residential? Uh, That's a great question, Josh. I was a residential house flipper and contractor for over a decade, and uh, I saw the writing on the wall. First of all, making $30,000 on a house flip uh, when I first got started was incredible. But after you do it, you know, 30 to 50 flips a year, you get worn out on the transactional volume of it. And so I was really looking to do something that Um, I could scale up without having to build a much larger team. And uh, commercial really presents that opportunity. I also think that within the residential market, um, and if you're flipping houses or wholesaling or doing rentals, you you can attest to this, but there's a, a very large group of people that watch HGTV flipping shows and or go to these uh, real estate investors association, the RIAs in their market, and they get excited and they go out and they're, they're, there's just a mass exodus of people coming into the space. Mm. And it makes it very, very hard to find deals. 
There's also, it's the low hanging fruit. It's kind of the, the logical step from somebody to get into to the real estate investing game. And so residential just has so many competitors uh, in most major markets that you have to really think outside of the box to generate deal flow. Maybe you're buying junior liens or you're, you're focusing on foreclosures, but even then you're the 30th piece of mail that shows up in their mailbox. Yeah. What I found in the commercial space is uh, first and foremost, if the income was the same, if the deal flow was the same, my end customer for the type of business opportunities that I place, we buy buildings with small tenants, like thousand square feet, a lot of small tenants. And so I'm dealing with small entrepreneurs all day. I'm dealing directly with the decision maker. And these people are so fun to interact with that I just get a lot more value. I'm dealing with winners every day, people who have trajectory in life, who have ideas. These are idea people. And I get to offer them a home for their business. And that's more exciting to me than, than working with a first-time home buyer or a renter who's going to rent a single-family home. So all things equal, I just uh, I enjoy brushing shoulders with my end customer a lot more. It's bankers hours generally accepted versus residentials, nights and weekends and showings yeah. on Sundays and open houses. And it's scalable. You can mm -hmm. literally do the same amount of work as flipping a house, but instead of making 30,000, you make 300 or 500,000. And those types of returns do get my heart beating a little bit faster. How is the opportunity right now, given what we've experienced over the past couple of years? That is also a good question. We look at market cycles and we look at global economic trends, but nothing uh, changes our ability to source deals. And what I mean by that is in a good market, we get good deals and it's really easy to fill them and it's really easy to sell them. I've been doing this since 2005. And so I went through the 2008 swings and I went through the 2012 swings and then I went through the COVID swings. And in mediocre markets, um, what we find is that we're able to actually get even better deals because there's not as many buyers in the market. And in the absolute worst markets, which arguably COVID was the worst commercial real estate market, if you just turn on the TV, you would think everything commercial real estate is imploding. And I'll tell you that that there's a big discrepancy between perceived risk that the media would have you believe and the real risk. I run our business by the numbers and I look at cap rates, occupancy rates, rent rates, absorption rates, and I track those in the markets that we invest in. And you would be surprised, like you would think in Minneapolis here, when you turn on the news that the vacancy rates 50 or 60%. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 9% and we're still seeing rent appreciation. But how, how does that turn out for deals? It means I get the absolute best deals when mm. the market completely tanks because sellers freak out. They have a yeah. couple of tenants default and they sell their building to me for half of what it's worth. Wow. And then I fix it. I solved the problem by doing creative marketing and deal structure with small tenants to fill it back up to 90, 95% occupancy. And they cash flow like a cow. I'm actually sitting inside of one of our buildings right now. This is a 63,000 square foot building we acquired this year for 3.3 million. And we got about a half a million into it. And right now it's valued at 5.1. But I'm not done filling it. Once I fill it, it'll be worth 100 bucks a square foot or just north of $6 million. And that building will cash flow to our partnership $30,000 a month. 
every single month for as long as we decide to hold it. So those types of opportunities get me excited. Now, I don't keep all that myself. I raise the capital from other people through a, a thing called a syndication. And they basically put their money in in chunks of, you know, 100 or 200 or 500 or what, whatever works for them. And then I pay them a return on that money of like six to 8% first. We treat it like debt or it's like interest on the debt. And then after they've made that, that's when we look at what's left over and we split that 50-50. Yeah. Um, so take me through the elements of what might end up being a really great property. Um, and, I'm, and again, I'm trying to think about what the building looks like, who the tenants are, you know, maybe just an example of what it might be. Like this building, for example, like is it a more industrial, commercial, or is it retail? Sure. Yeah, uh, there's a lot packed into that question, but I'll, I'll try and uh, <laughs> I'll try and break that out as best. I like I to can. keep you busy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good. Um, so there's there's really two things I think that you're asking about. One is what is our investing strategy, and that may be different than other people's investing strategy. So I'm happy to share with you our investing strategy, and I talk about this. It's about the first third of my book. Is I lay out exactly what our strategy is. And I have spent considerable time and research coming up with this strategy. And it's not a new strategy, Mm -hmm. um, but it's the value add strategy. And that is that we only buy underperforming properties. Yeah. So I only buy assets that have the net income is depressed for some reason. And, And look, there's two types of problems in the world when it comes to real estate. There's people problems and there's property problems. People problems are things like somebody inherited the property and they don't know what to do with it. So they're willing to sell it to me uh, for cash fast, like the old JGM Wentworth commercial, right? It's my money and I want it now. Maybe it's tenant problems. Um, Maybe you have a headache tenant, so they're willing to sell it. I I was one of those motivated sellers. I had a horrible tenant once and I sold the building for less than it was worth because I just was sick of dealing with the tenant. Um, there are a a whole slew of people problems. And then there's property problems. Property problems might be deferred maintenance. It might be that um, the zoning changed in the city. It might be. So we try and solve problems. We're in the people business. And it's not about extracting value from our tenants. It's really how do we create value for their business? And then in exchange for that, the result is they're willing to move into our building and pay us a premium on rent. And so normally, um, People will only invest within one asset class. But what we've done, Josh, is we really we solve for for problems and and value add. And so with that, we own assets in all four asset classes. The four main asset classes are apartments, retail, office and industrial within those sectors. We don't do any businesses that have an operating business inside of the real estate arm. So co-working. Um, it, uh, mobile home parks, mini storage. Uh, these are really businesses inside of a business and you have to specialize in that niche if you want to really be good at it. What our niche tends to be within the, all the asset classes is we target multi-tenant buildings with really small units. Like in office buildings, we're looking for an average unit size between 500 and 1,000 square feet. And we've signed 56 leases this year for office space within our portfolio. And 
you turn on the media or you talk to anybody else and they're like, office is dead. And I'm like, that's great. You send them over my way because we're slinging leases left and right, like hotcakes. And <laughs> really the, the thing is we're able to buy buildings that have sat vacant for years mm. and had really large vacancies. And we fill them up effectively. How do we do that? Uh, I mean, we created a bot that scrapes Google and Yelp based on keywords. So we look at a building, we're like, hey, I want a mortgage guy in this building. So I'll type in mortgage 55443 and it'll go scrape all those websites and create me an email and a calling list. Mm -hmm. And then I drop that into this proprietary software I made. And I make one email, one ringless voicemail, one text message. And then I can schedule and launch multi-sequence direct marketing campaigns to these tenants to put my vacancy on their radar. And it seems to be working. We're doing that and we do really, really good media packages with like 3D tours and great graphic design. And, you know, everybody makes their decisions based on looking at stuff online now. And a lot of the people we're buying properties from, they own the building for 30 years and they don't even know how to market it. You know, the, the, the best shot they got is a single photo that they took on their flip phone that they put up on Craigslist. And we have professionally done retouched wide angle photos with digital walkthroughs, good floor plans. These are all the yep. things that generate more leads. And then we have a really solid sales process that cuts out all the fat and the back and forth with letters of intent and that we go directly to a lease. I, our software allows us to type a couple of lease variables in, click a button, it merges it all to a lease for e-signature. We just really have streamlined the marketing and sales process. And that's how we solve the problem of the vacancy, which almost every deal we does have, with the exception of sometimes we inherit properties that are stabilized from a financial perspective, but the seller's still motivated because they inherited or going through a divorce or a partnership dispute or whatever, those kind of people problem stuff. Yeah. So, uh, maybe that answers your stuff, but, but to summarize, we buy in all four asset classes. We only do value add. We do multi-tenant buildings because I don't want a single tenant McDonald's because if they stop paying, yeah. now you're bleeding and you're Way bleeding ri and much riskier, right? So yes. we diversify our risk across multiple tenants. What's even better though, is our fund diversifies across multiple buildings. So when you put money into our fund, you don't own 30% of one building you own 3% of 10 buildings or whatever as we grow our fund. Uh, and each fund has a different uh, a set of buildings, but you're diversified across multiple asset classes, multiple deal structures, multiple tenancies types, and multiple markets because we operate in multiple markets. So you really get the benefit of like being a part of a REIT, but you don't pay for five layers of money managers like a REIT would because when you invest your money in a REIT, you know, they're paying the financial advisor three or 5% up front. Boom, that's off the top. So you're taking all the underlying risk, but your returns are really watered down because everybody's got their hand in the cookie jar. When you invest in a firm like ours, which is through a private placement, which nobody will ever know about unless they get a private invitation to that or find me through like a podcast or something. And there's a lot of private syndicators out there that are really, really good. If you're not investing in private syndications, you really ought to look at doing that because you can get really good returns, like mid to high teens, consistent returns, um, all backed by the world's most stable and reliable asset class ever known to man, and that's real estate. But what's even better than the stock market is you're getting these mid to high teens returns 
but then you're barely paying any tax on it because you're getting these massive depreciation write-offs that you just can't get in anything besides real estate. No, and right. a, so you're not going to get that from your 401k. <laughs> right, and so um, it's it's a really good mix because you get you get consistent dividends, uh, which is that cash flow you need in retirement or 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 to become financially free, so that you can choose whether you want to work or take your hands off the wheel, and um, you know, a lot of high net worth business owners are who invest with us. People making three, four, five hundred thousand plus, you know, they tuck a lot of money with us because when they put their money in, we go buy properties and we do a thing called a cost segregation. And if you don't know what that is, the tax code for real estate allows you to do an accelerated depreciation on certain elements within the building, things like the sidewalk or the paint or the carpet. And so when I buy a million dollar building, I get like $300,000 on average of depreciation in year one. But what's better is I only put 30% down. So we put 300,000 in equity into it, but we still get a $300,000 write-off. So it's literally like dollar for dollar. So like you invest $300,000, but then you get a $300,000 write-off. So not, it, not a bad gig, not yeah. a bad gig. Mike, I apologize. We're kind of at the end of our time yeah. here. Your, your book, by the way, I'm pretty excited. This is cool. I want to read your book. It's Commercial yeah. Real Estate Investing, Step-by-Step Guide to Finding and Funding Your First Deal, which I have so many other questions. I suspect the book will answer those questions and, and specifically around financing, right? And, and yeah. you know, what, that, what the elements of that deal are going to end up looking like. And based on the title, I suspect you answer those questions. And your website too, commercial, uh, oh, I'm sorry, it's commercialinvestorsgroup.com. And you can actually just click, uh, hover over learn, and you can click on book and you can get uh, access to Mike's book. Looks like you, um, looks like you give it away on PDF for free too, right? Yep. Nice. Nice. All right. Sounds great. Mike, anything else that, that, that folks should click on or do when they go to your website? No, I mean, if, if you want to chat with me about whatever, you just you need uh, me to point in the right direction or, or you're looking to get more information, uh, shoot me an email, mike at commercialinvestorsgroup.com, or you can book a call with me on our website on the contact tab. I love meeting new people and helping people out. And uh, it's been so great to be on your show here, Josh. And yes, yeah, some awesome questions. So thanks for having me on. You bet. Mike, thank you so much. Mike Sowers, again, uh, the um, CEO of Commercial Investors Group, found on the web at commercialinvestorsgroup.com. Thanks, Mike. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, we have an audience of over 120,000 that we would love to promote your story to. Please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. I'm also so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free. No credit card needed. Head to upmyinfluence.com slash free. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence. 
Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. What do you win? Well, we will promote you and retweet you and re-share you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans, totally free. Can you also hook us up in your podcast player right now? Please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review, and we promise to read it all and take action. Thank you if you've done this already. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, please hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 to 20 minutes a day. My name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.